AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. There is still some dust in the air following last week's proposed blending requirements for biofuels. We'll get to the heart of why the bio-based diesel producers are unimpressed. But first, we'll get our weekly update on what has been one of the most impressive markets we've had an opportunity to cover. Live from the glorious return of the handsome newsman via Farm <laughs> Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk This Morning. We'll begin with a conversation with Machinery Pete, that's Greg Peterson. Then it's Kurt Kovarik from Clean Fuels Alliance America. And right after the news, Brett Waltz from BAM WX. I am handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, the host of AgriTalk. <laughs> oh, Davis Michelson, my friend. Welcome back. How hey, are hey, you? Hey. Super fantastic. Terrifically awesome. Phenomenally well. Thank you for asking. Wow. How are you? Wow. <laughs> that is that is really, really, really good. Really I good. I might be overselling that's, it, but that's pretty close. That was pretty quite close. the intro right there. Well, it's it's the Christmas season. I I you know, yeah. I missed Kind of some earlier stuff. I was it the first was clear last week or something like that. I yeah. don't even know. I barely yeah. know what day it is today. So you're gonna have to today's Monday. Help me through it. Um, I'm not sure what the date is, but today's Monday. I know that twelve five. It's the fifth. Twelve five. So, okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I'm glad to have you back. Uh, you were missed. Michelle did a great job, but like I said, Good. you were you were missed. And, I appreciate uh, that. Glad to have you back here, my friend. Doggone it! Um, I missed you too, brother. I, you know, for some reason, I doubt that. Oh, I really did. And, no, and Joe, too. On. A little. Some. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm thinking no. I'm thinking I'm thinking we got a, oh, yeah, there's that Chip and Joe guy that, oh, yeah. that, that are just kind of lingering in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what have they got to do with my life? Oh, yeah. Well, we'll figure that out on Monday morning. <laughs> Hopefully, I remember how to do this. Let's hope. Let's hope. Because you're up. Let's get to the news. Chip, the West has imposed sanctions on Russian crude, putting the conflict with Moscow into a new phase that could inject further volatility into global oil markets. The European Union and UK barred inbound shipments of Russian crude today. In tandem, the EU, the US and allies placed curbs on shipping, insuring and funding Russian crude anywhere in the world. Moscow said this weekend that it would not accept the Western price cap and that it would cut sales to countries that participate in the arrangement. Meanwhile, OPEC Plus will keep output steady but will cut by 2 million barrels per day as agreed to in October. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there is a whole lot of we're not going to take it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter if you're not going to take it because I'm not going to send it to you. Right. And th- there's just a whole lot of mess going on with this crude oil market right now right at the january contract today it's off the highs up just 34 cents 80 32 per barrel uh 
I, is, I think the the energy markets are trying to sort out everything that's going on. Well, and you mentioned this in your intro, but pressure is mounting on EPA to modify its renewable diesel decisions. EPA has until June 14 to issue a final rule. The agency, however, has typically not changed its proposed levels a great deal in their yeah. final versions over the years. So a major shift higher in the advanced biofuel tally would come as a surprise. Feels like there's something I missed last week. Jeff, on <laughs> we'll this one. Get, you'll figure it out before <laughs> the end of the show uh, what, what you may have missed. Uh, but, but here's the deal. To those that are thinking that the comment period may not have much influence on what the final rule says. This is the first time that EPA is on their own when it comes to the renewable volume obligations. No input from Congress, no input from the RFS. Go ahead and base it on what is happening out there in real life. Therefore, there's greater opportunity for the comments to have an impact on what the final rule will be. Well, Chip, according to World Weather Inc., Argentina's weather will remain stressful for crops this week amid limited rain and warm to hot temperatures. The forecaster says Brazil's weather will be generally favorable with weekend rains forecast to continue early this week. But some areas in the center west and south central parts of the country could be missed by the greatest rainfall. Friday's November jobs report showed annual growth in hourly earnings accelerating to 5.1% from 4.9% in October. Workers continue to win significant pay bumps, in part because help remains hard to find. This says the European Union's statistics agency reports a 1.8% drop in retail sales during October from the prior month. Chip, that's the largest dip since yeah. July 2021. Yeah, we we look at the inflation rate, it's still at double-digit levels in the Eurozone. Well, Democrats voted Friday to move the South Carolina primary to the front of their presidential nominating calendar, displacing Iowa in a bid to involve more minority voters and move away from caucuses that some say disadvantage working-class voters. South Carolina would be followed by New Hampshire and Nevada a week later. Republican Senator Joni Erst of Iowa quipped, quote, Democrats have really given the middle finger, uh, given middle America the middle finger. Chip. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully we're going to talk with Senator Ernst about that tomorrow on the show. But get this. I mean, where would would have Obama gotten the momentum that he had early in the process had it mm. not been for the big caucus win that he had in mm. Iowa? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think so. I, 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 You know, there's no way to tell for sure, to know for sure. But Iowa was very much in support of former President Obama when when we had the Democrat caucus here to lead things off. I, Indeed. It seems very closed-minded to me. Uh, but, hey, I'm not the one making the decisions. All right, That's buddy, right. thanks. You bet. All right, let's bring in Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Chip. How are you doing? No, I'm doing all right. Looks like we've got some threats of wet weather again this week. Where's the targets? Yeah, it's going to be pretty active uh, down to the south and really areas that do need it across the Tennessee Valley, parts of the Mississippi Valley. Several waves of precipitation really starting out today and uh, another one as we work into your Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I, I think that when all is said and done this week, parts of northern Arkansas, southern Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, two to four inches of rain. That's not 100% out of the question that they could wow. get that much rain over the next several days. Some chances up into the Ohio Valley as well, but the heaviest of it is going to be further down to the south. 
Gotcha, gotcha. What about right here in the middle of the country? Something at the end of the week? Yeah, we need to keep an eye on a storm system. I would say it's late Thursday and into Friday. There's still some pretty big differences on the model guidance. It's too early to get into specific details, but I wouldn't be 100% shocked if there was some kind of of a wintry weather threat later this week. Again, exact track to be determined, but I'd be keeping an eye on the upper Midwest uh, into parts of the Ohio Valley. Probably will be rain the further south that you go, but in those northern areas, maybe in your neck of the woods, we'll need to at least keep an eye on that potential threat. Still some time to kind of fine tune things, though. Yeah, yeah. Temperatures look fairly typical in the outlook. Yeah. Uh, Over the weekend, we definitely have had some, some warmer trends. If anything, it's going to be a little bit warmer than normal across the eastern and southeastern U.S. Uh, some colder air up to the north, northern plains over the next several days. Uh, but I do think that there's still the potential back half the month that we could get some of this colder air to drop in in a more notable fashion. Gotcha. Brett, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Thank you. All right. That is Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. You know, I know that this is going to be a shock, but Greg Peterson has a long list of items that he wants to talk about, including some new record prices on used machinery. That's next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Machinery repeat here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning, and it is a Monday morning. That means it is time for our conversation with Machinery Pete, Greg Peterson. Good morning, Greg. Hey, good morning, Chip. How you doing? We're doing just fine, just fine. So um, let's jump right into it because we've got a long list of uh, of items that we want to cover because it is that time of the year, as, as you've well documented. Uh, so let's get right to it. What you got in the pick of the week? Pick of the week, despite the tractor market continuing to go higher, I'm going to throw a planner at you folks out there. Okay. Um, so last Thursday, December 1st, online farm auction by our friends at Sullivan Auctioneers, sort of up my way, and it was uh, Hector, Minnesota. There was a 21 model, Case H, 2140, 24 row, 22-inch, getting up to beat country there. It was a high-speed planner. Uh, it sold for 235000 bucks, which... Chip, that's, uh, that's the highest auction price I've ever seen on a Case H planner. Uh, okay. The previous high was 191000 
So this one was 44,000 above that. The 191, that was just earlier this year, another Sullivan sale. I was back in February in Fremont, Iowa, 21 model, 16 year old, 30 inch, 2150. But again, 235. So it's not just tractors that are, you know, moving right. higher here. And it's not just the pre def, pre tier four stuff. It's, you know, all this stuff in good condition is smoking hot right now. Right, right. Well, and the 22 inch makes it unique. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not the the typical thirty inch planter that that uh, is all over the country place, and and right, yeah, that might add something to it, especially there in Minnesota. Is yeah, I would argue, yeah. Well, you're right, and also there's the fact that you know, getting your hands on basically a new planter. This is a twenty one model, so yeah. I've started uh, dropping in a phrase that I've never <laughs> used before, but uh, the old saying, "Possession is nine tenths of the law." Well, right now it's ele- it's 11 tenths of the law. <laughs> Here's what I need. My checkbook is out. 10 other guys want it. And, and that's why we're seeing these, you know, again, a, a price like that 44K over any case age planner on the open market, write a check today. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. All right. What else did you notice last week? You've got that, well, uh, well several auctions in Iowa that we need to touch. Yeah. Let's start last Tuesday in I, not sure how to pronounce it, Curlew or Curlew, Iowa, but our friends yep. at Os- Osborne Auction, great auction company. They had a nice farm auction. Um, and how about this? A 1999 Case IH MX240, 3,180 yeah. hours on it. That brought $94,000. And now the two, that's a record on an MX240. And I did notice the two highest prices are both from this year. Uh, an older combine that was a very sharp, an 04 Case IH 2366, kind of a smaller capacity there just over just under 2100 sep hours on it that went for 79,000 bucks so pretty healthy price there actually yeah. the highest auction price this year on a 2366 wow. and then uh you know grain trailers I've talked about a lot but also mm-hmm. gravity wagons have been hot so on this sale they had four unreferred 630 wagons and a pair of 03 models so almost 20 years old went for 16k each um, and then there were a couple 12 models and all four of them together were in the top 10 highest auction prices I've oh. ever seen on 30. So, <laughs> so again, it was a hot sale there in, uh, out in the Curlew, Iowa last Tuesday. Yeah. On the gravity wagons in particular, good grief. Uh, you know, and it's six thirty. I mean, I remember when a three fifty came onto our farm and I was like blown mm-hmm. away by right. how much corn we could haul at one time. Right. Well, again, I mean, look at that. That sales a good example. I mean, you've got a, yeah. you've got an older, smaller combine. You've yep. got kind of a larger gravity wagon. You know, it's it, it yeah. was all well cared for, and yep. people are looking for specific things. And when you find what you want, boy, you can see what these prices are showing. It's a hot market. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, let's stay out of Illinois for just a moment and drop yep. down to that sale there in Jessup. Let's stay in Iowa. Yeah, that was last Thursday. Our friends at uh, Siren Auction Sales, Riley and the crew do a fantastic job. Little retirement sale they had there with some red equipment. Wow, the tractors chip, incredible. They had a 97 Case H 89 22-wheel drive, 1,746 one-owner hours. That went for 83181 bucks with all the buyer's fee figured in. And that's it's the third highest ever on a two-wheel drive 89-20, but Again, 1,746 hours. The only two higher ones were both under 700 hours. So wow. 
Very strong there. Now they did set they did set records. They had a 2011 Case H maximum 140, so pre-def, pre-tier four. Okay. 1065 hours with a loader. That went for 112,353 bucks. And I just, I looked in our data, machinerepeat.com, the four highest prices ever on maximum 140s all this year. They also had a 07 Case H JX95, little two-wheel drive. Just under a thousand hours, that went for twenty six thousand seven seventy five, highest two wheel drive I've ever seen. And then a little bit older, they had a ninety eight model Case H MX one fifty again, two wheel drive, forty one hundred sixty five hours, and it brought sixty three thousand five forty six. That was nine thousand over the highest I'd ever seen on an MX one fifty. So, I mean, these examples they're they're just literally <laughs> pouring in from every direction, Chip. There, and, they, and there are more examples of 11 tenths, possession is 11 tenths of the law. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> hey, let, let's stay in Iowa. So, you know, okay. last last Wednesday, the Steffes yep. Group had a farm auction in, in Jessup. Uh, yep. They had an 06 model deer, 8330. Again, pre-deaf, pre-tier four. So well, it's going to be hot, of course. 3,606 hours on it sells for 189,000 bucks. <laughs> Highest, no, that's the highest auction price ever on an 8330 with over 2,400 hours. And this one was over 3,600 hours. So, you know, again, it Man. pays to take pays to take good care of your stuff, folks, as you can see here. Yes, yes, obviously, obviously. All right, let's head east a little bit, get over to Alito, Illinois. Uh, there's a long list of impressive numbers here. Oh, it's just, yeah. Where do you start? I mean, yeah. Sullivan auctioneers had this sale last Wednesday. So a 2013 case H stagger 450 quad track, 4,519 hours came in at 233,000 <laughs> second highest price ever. But you know, here again, the only higher one was under, was under 1900 hours. And this one had 4,519 hours, yeah. uh, combine 2018 class 740 TT track machine. 1,839 engine hours sold for $218,000. Highest auction price ever on a 740 TT with over 1,000 hours. And again, it had eight, over 1,800 hours. And then four-wheel drives have just been incredibly hot, uh, particularly the pre-def stuff. So 2011 Versatile 535, 1,900 and some hours brought 188,000. Chip, that was 16,000 over the record from over yep. 10 years ago. From over so, 10 years ago. Yeah, September of twelve. That was practically a brand new machine. That's that yeah. set the the previous record. That was. It was September twelfth of twenty twelve, Litchfield, Minnesota. It only had two hundred and thirty six hours, brought one seventy two. And again, last Wednesday, an eleven model, nineteen hundred hours, one eighty eight. <laughs> that is about oh. all you can do is laugh. I mean, that's I, it's I, just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we get to where you're going, I got to ask you, you're not seeing any sign of a let up in, in any of this, are you? No, actually the opposite. It's going yeah. higher. It, and that I'm not, I'm just relaying what the prices are, folks. Please go to our website, machinerypeat.com, click on the auction price link. We put it all right in front of you. You can yeah. sort and search every different way. And again, you know, good condition stuff. It's it's yeah. just moving higher. That's the flat, plain truth of it. Yeah, and just a reminder to everyone that is a backwards-looking statement from Machine Repeat, not a forward-looking statement from Machine Repeat. It's just the fact <laughs> that that yeah. these prices are moving higher over time, and it's it's uh, 
it's an yeah. impressive trend that we're seeing right now, dude. Yeah, it's, you know, again, I look at what the, you know, the Fed, when they raised interest rates, talked mm-hmm. about uh, just demand destruction on the housing market yep. and for automobiles, raising interest rates. But I'm telling you, for used or new farm equipment, that demand at this point anyway, has not it's not being destructed right. in any way. It's still right. super strong, but the supply is still super tight. Yes. And uh, so even in the housing yeah. market, I find it reading interesting things like the raising rates haven't cratered the prices yet because the supply is tight. So when right. the supply is tight, it changes everything. It changes everything. That is exactly right. Okay, we only got about 30 seconds. Uh, where are you heading? Yeah, well, folks, on December 13th, we're filming an auction for Machinery PTV show in Spring Valley, Minnesota. It's by Hamilton Auction Company. A beautiful line of John Deere equipment for Gary and Ron Vote. So check that one out again. Hamilton Auction Company, Spring Valley, Minnesota, December 13th. Hope to see you out at the sale. All right, very good. And you're going to be keeping a close eye on an auction there in Columbia City, right? Yeah, December okay. 6th, tomorrow, Tuesday, Columbia City, Indiana, by Schrader Real Estate and Auction. Could be another hot one there, folks. Outstanding. All right, thank you very much, Greg. That is Greg Peterson, Machinery P. Up next here on AgriTalk, we've got Kurt Kavorik from the Clean Fuels Alliance. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, it looks like we're just kind of continuing the trade that we saw on Friday, isn't it? Some pressure on corn and wheat, some strength in soybeans and meal. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the wheat market uh, tried to work higher on some corrected buying overnight, but boy, got to daytime trade here and, and just has given up and double digit losses in the winter wheat markets and, and uh, not quite that much in, in spring wheat, but uh, just a technical breakdown. So a continuation of that move down that uh, you mentioned, uh, that's pulling the corn market lower as well, which is also breaking down technically. Uh, soy complex, extreme um, spreading action going on yeah. in the uh, oil and meal markets again with uh, soy meal trading solidly to the upside and soy oil sharply lower and and uh, beans at the moment are, are following uh, soy meal and, and trading pretty solidly to the upside. Yeah, uh, and you look at what's going on in the crude oil market. We had some strength in crude oil overnight and earlier this morning. That's given way to 50 cents a barrel lower here at mid-morning. It's got some pressure on soybean oil as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And and the other factor is the outside markets, uh, the dollar, it's more than 500 points higher right now. So that's oh. contributing to that weakness in the uh, the wheat and the corn markets, which are both struggling on the export side. 
Gotcha, gotcha. All right, take us over to the livestock trade. What do you see? Well, feeder cattle, because of the weakness in the corn market, they're trading moderately to uh, sharply higher here at mid-morning. The live cattle market, uh, it got off to a slow start, but now starting to favor the upside a little bit. The anticipation is that we'll continue to see strength in the cash market there. And then uh, in the hog market, aside from the December contract, which is mildly lower, uh, the rest are trading to the upside. Yeah, a lot of technical strength going on in that market right now. Thank you, Brian. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady, Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. AgriTalk is brought to you by Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide from FMC. Get serious seedling defense to defend against the toughest early season pests and diseases. Choose Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide for at-plant defense. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. We've got Davis back. Davis Hello. is back with us. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. All right, Davis. So last week, some of the, I mean, right at the top of the list of the headlines were that EPA released the RVOs, renewable volume obligations under the renewable fuels standard. Mm-hmm. And reaction was mixed. No question about that. Uh, from the ethanol and corn side, we got a positive reaction. From the bio-based diesel and the soybean side, it was a negative reaction. Let's find out why right now from Kurt Kvorik. He is the VP of Federal Affairs for the Clean Fuels Alliance of America. Kurt, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? I'm doing well. Very glad to be with you this morning. All right. So uh, bottom line is two very different reactions What's the issue with the bio-based diesel proposed RVOs? Sure. Uh, Glad to have this opportunity to explain our disappointment and uh, our our view of a missed opportunity here from EPA. So what we had come out last week was a three-year proposal, which from our perspective is positive for the industry and the biofuels industry and and all folks associated with the program. Uh, What we've had in the past is just a one-year proposal which doesn't do a whole lot to provide that certainty and, and, and uh, market signals that we need. So they provided a, a proposal for 2023, 24, and 25, which is positive, but that's kind of where the positive uh, of it ends. In <laughs> fact, uh, we're probably less eager to have a multi-year proposal now, given the fact that EPA is proposed to essentially flatline the biodiesel, renewable diesel categories in this proposal. Our industry was asking for annual increases of about 500 million gallons uh, annually over the over the over the uh, period of the proposal uh, EPA has offered 60 million gallons then 70 and then 60 for the three years that they proposed which is why I say it's essentially flatlined the reason that we were asking for aggressive numbers and we're so terribly disappointed with e- what with what EPA has proposed is because we've seen the signals that the market is sending right now in terms of capacity build-outs in right. biodiesel and renewable diesel. We have an enormous amount, uh, billions of gallons that have been announced to be coming online here over the next 12, 24, 36 months. I don't know if EPA doesn't read the news or if they're just completely yeah. that detached from reality. But once again, what, what EPA is essentially proposing is to set volumes for all three years lower than what our market capacity is for the existing year. So it it would do nothing 
to drive new demand. It would uh, basically ensure that EPA is behind and lower than the market for all three years of this proposal. Okay. Okay. It, it seemed strange to me as I looked at some of the the detail further, noticed that the their analysis was based on February 22 production uh, numbers, not the most current available from the Energy Information Administration. Uh, any idea why they used data that was so old? No, and, and and we're digging through the rule right now. There's a lot of anomalies, I would say, in terms of, of different ways that EPA has, has decided to measure uh, the market uh, using yeah. data from from EIA, but but the fact of the matter is, you know, if you if you are anywhere in tune with what's happening in the agriculture industry right now, mm-hmm. you are well aware that there's been about four to four and a half billion dollars worth of announced crush capacity expansions throughout the Midwest, both soybean and canola in Canada, to to set these volumes, uh, ignoring those signals is is baffling. And so what I would say to, to, to the agriculture industry and, and a soybean farmer in particular, there's no guarantee that any of that soybean crush is going to be uh, built without the proper market signals from EPA. So it's, it's, it's incredibly important for a farmer, particularly a soybean farmer, who cares about having value-added agriculture, who's excited about a new soybean crush facility down the road uh, to get engaged in this. This, this has important uh, consequences for the value of a soybean, uh, for, for many years to come. Yep. Um, the, the RVO, the, the blending obligation is, is not a ceiling. It's not a cap. It's, it's a floor with that in mind. And with the investment and enthusiasm that refiners have already shown for renewable diesel and, sustainable aviation fuel why why do you why will this slow down investment in your opinion well there's a those decisions are made when you see these announcements about a a, a conversion of an existing petroleum refinery to renewable diesel or uh you know a, a soybean crush entity deciding to to announce an, a, a multi-million dollar expansion or, or new facility that's all predicated upon the the market drivers remaining in place, you know, whether that's tax incentives, whether that's state uh, carbon reduction policies, including in that is the certainty and the, the the driver from the renewable fuel standard. So there's some degree of expectation uh, from the folks who are putting the dollars on the line that the the items that have driven the market previously will will continue and have some degree of upward trajectory. In those calculations, I think there's a lot of folks who uh, maybe in an RD conversion that that hasn't been announced or is hasn't you know brown, ground hasn't broken yet, or even a soybean crush facility might be kind of uh, thinking through that decision again today to say, wait a minute, is this does this make economic sense given the fact that EPA is once again behind the curve in in setting these volumes? And you know, one of the most common you know, complex or hard to fathom components of this is, you know, this administration has been almost singularly focused on addressing climate change and reducing carbon emissions in every area of the economy they possibly can. And here they are basically fumbling the football when it comes to some of the most 
aggressive in terms of carbon reduction. Our fuel is 72% less carbon emitting than petroleum diesel. To not double down on this policy and recognize what's happening in the industry and say, hey, we want to lead in this area, it's hard to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I'm all with you on that. Uh, it, It was kind of, yeah, head scratching to to why the administration with their with their all in effort on climate uh, is it was wasn't taken into account on on this particular effort. Now, the the renewable diesel efforts going forward, incentives going forward. You mentioned the state rules, regs, programs. I'm thinking of California's low carbon fuel standard, among others. Isn't that where the real drive is for the renewable diesel? It's part of it. There's there's certainly, you know, it's 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 complex in terms of what's happened in the industry, but but the COVID pandemic and what it did in reduced demand for uh fuels, I think it kind of it prompted a lot of refineries who were uh not well suited, maybe maybe geographically challenged, didn't have access to crude. You know, a decision that they may have made to shut down that refinery or convert it over the next 10 years, I think the pandemic sped that up. So we have a lot of stranded assets. We have a lot of uh, environmental justice and, and ESG commitments that, that are placed on some of these companies in their boardrooms and by shareholders. Combine that with federal policies on, on the tax incentive and the RFS, along with state, car, or state and regional carbon initiatives. There's a whole host of reasons why these decisions are being made. I don't think that, you know, just a, uh, a flatlining of the RVOs is going to mean that we're going to uh, do a 180, but it's certainly going to slow down and, and call into question a lot of those investments that otherwise would have been a slam dunk. And that's, at the end of the day, that's what we want. I mean, our motivation here is to uh, get as much feedstock and, and low carbon yeah fuels as we can, not to mention it's domestically produced. When we're when we're suffering from a, yep. a global energy crisis because of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, uh, just the just the added benefit of a domestic energy source should be should be worthwhile enough to say let's let's double down on this policy, not to mention the carbon benefits. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so this opens up the comment period. Is there at least is there a rough draft of what the Clean Fuels Alliance plans to suggest to improve the proposed RVOs? Not yet. We've got a lot of work to do over the next 60 days. The The proposal itself was about 650 pages long. Uh, we've got a public hearing that EPA is hosting in January, just after the first of the year, around January 10th, and then comments will be due uh, by February 10th with hopefully a decision on this by midsummer. So we're going we're gonna to be studying this we got a lot of work to do to put together uh, some data to, de- to, to defend our position. We're going to be educating a lot of our uh, industry stakeholders as well as our champions on the Hill to go to bat for us. So it's it's key to do the homework, get it right, and uh, make the most compelling arguments you can to EPA at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It And at least the argument or the education effort is at EPA because with all the new faces – in the house if this was a congressional effort it would feel overwhelming but because this is epa's first chance at the rvos outside of congressional uh in you know uh direction this feels like there is a real opportunity for the comments to have an influence on the final rule yes or no 
Absolutely. That coupled with the fact that they're doing it for multiple years, I think EPA is, you know, they're desperate to get it right. So we're hopeful that at the end of the day, they will get it right. Kurt, let's stay in touch on this because as time goes on and we get a better understanding of what what the industry collective comments sound like, I think this is going to be very important to follow going forward. Kurt, thank you so much. Happy to be with you. Uh, happy holidays to you and, and your listeners. Uh, always Excellent. glad to be with you. Excellent. That's Kurt Kavarik from the CFA. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Happy, happy Monday morning to you. So pleased to be here with you. Thanks for tuning in. Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory, of course, joins. Chip? Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, I was out for a week. Just a quick shout out to the good folks around the uh, the borderlands of Iowa and Illinois. Had a lovely time. Lovely folks. Fair Had nice. a great time. Great time. Um, now, I, f- I feel like we need to do something from the don't shoot the messenger file. <laughs> okay. Uh, Machinery Pete was talking oh. about backwards looking stuff. Oh yeah, let's. We need to keep that in mind, and and I think you <laughs> highlighted that in your comments. But let's let's yeah. just make sure that we're all on the same page with that. Yeah, he does not predict. He does not predict. All he does is present facts of this is right. what the trends are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the yeah, and and the the thing is, for somebody to say, well, the only reason the markets is going up is because Machinery Pete says it's going to keep going up. Gives Machinery Pete a whole lot of power that I don't think he's right? really got. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> he's the same as you and me. Uh, yeah. Well, in some aspects, anyway, because we're, you know, we do all sorts of stuff. But, you know, he's a reporter. Yeah. He's here to report on his findings. And, yes, a little bit of editorial never hurt anybody, but when he comes and talks to us here, he's telling us, "Hey, I saw this at the auction. I saw this. Yeah. You know, this is how it stacks up. Um, yeah. You know, alongside other uh, similar sales." And so, uh, you know, you know, and, and the thing is, the the thing is, one one item that 
I've made a note of now after the most recent conversation with Machine Repeat is to try to get a handle on just how much participation there is in the last, you know, once that record has been hit for some item out there, how much participation was there? Was it just down to two guys or was there Mm -hmm. still four people involved in the bidding? That gives us another idea or indication of just how much strength is really in the market. But I, I got a feeling it's not just two people, not until the last couple of couple, couple of uh, hits. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, when when you're setting records by 14,000, there's probably three or four people involved in that move. And we've seen that in the land market, too, to a degree to where it's, yeah. you know, in some cases, just straight up competition that's driving oh. uh, the, the gavel prices to go yeah. higher. Uh, hey, before we move on to uh, to a little bit more here, we we need to get to yields in the fields. I I was afraid I was going to forget how to do this. It turns out I did. So uh, <laughs> let's sneak in today's yields in the fields. What say? Yields in the fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text yields to three one three one three. All right, to uh, North Central Iowa, Winnebago, uh, let's see, Hancock, Winnebago counties. So the two of those combined. A farmer says, quote, fall weather had been about perfect. Everyone should get harvest, tillage, and fertilizer applications done without trouble. Soybeans were exceptional. Get this, the type of crop you have the yield monitor recalibrated multiple times just to be sure. Yields in the fields brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic. Chip? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a sweet spot up there in north central Iowa this year. wasn't with wasn't perfect. wasn't perfect. Nope. There was there was some wind in June that hurt that crop. Uh, it timely best describes the rains, but I guess the the southwest Iowa conditions mm-hmm. from 2021 moved into north central Iowa for 2022. We found out just how good of a crop you can grow with fairly limited amount of rain okay um yep wrap some duct tape around your head we're going to go okay. to the conversation with kurt kovarik from clean okay. fuels alliance america yep. a couple of couple of things he started out uh talking about a missed opportunity for epa chip how many times have we had the discussion you want cleaner fuels you want to clean up the environment you want to take care of the climate and do all that sort of stuff here is a golden opportunity and Kurt Kovarik feels like EPA came up short. Yeah, and we've said it many, many times. The the answer in many cases to accomplish the goals that are laid out are in the market already, are in the market already. Give mm-hmm. them some support, well, even if it's just yes, e- even if it's just kind of psychological support because. I'm still – I understand that there is value to that RIN, and I I don't think I'm underestimating the importance of the value of that RIN. But I don't think the oil refiners that have committed to renewable diesel and also committed to the crush capacity by yes. investing in the new crush plants are – are doing that because it's locking in a RIN for them. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I, I, they're, they're, the math has to be done differently when 
they are not going straight to the market to buy a feedstock. And that feedstock being soybean oil, if it's at 75 cent, yeah, RIN matters. RIN matters a lot. But let's say that you're producing it for 60 cents, okay, mm-hmm. or, or even less than that. Yep. How important is that RIN value in determining the future production capacity for renewable fuels well, and, we're and renewable all, diesel? We're all about letting that free market do its job, letting the free market work. And when you cut into the potential for crush capacity buildouts and sort of temper that enthusiasm, yep. now you've created a problem. Yes, but I do not want to downplay the importance of something that Kurt said, mm-hmm. and that is the confidence in those investing in the industry going forward. The higher it is, the higher the investment will be. The three-year thing is cool, except for the fact that, you know, missed opportunity to put some big numbers into the bio-based diesel going forward, and they didn't do it. All right, Davis, great to have you back. Thanks for listening this morning, everybody. Come back this afternoon. Darren Hudson and I will be talking cotton. Darren's from Texas Tech, right here on Agritalk. Talk.